Hey, welcome to Coffee House. We are talking about When Harry Became Sally by Ryan T. Anderson. That was our last book. And it's about the completely non-controversial topic of transgender ideology. And uh, it was banned from Amazon. But we read it, we talked about the contents on the last one, and had a little bit of a discussion, but now we're going to dive in a little deeper on some of the ideas that are implicated by the book. So one of the first ones to talk about is that people need to be defined. And they look to the outside world for their definition. They define themselves with and against the tide of the world. And one of the important developments in more recent history is that we don't have the same coming-of-age structures and coming-of-age stories, even, that we used to have and we used to share. Whether it was uh, what the stories told around the fire you know, a long time ago within communities that had particular resonance geographically, or stories out of books that were told by people like Hans Christian Andersen, that were told like Greek mythology stories that all gave us guidance and ways to define ourselves, or more recently in films. You know, there were a lot of coming-of-age films that provided a pathway and let you explore kind of the ideas and see the people who went through a lot of things that you went through. You know, if it's John Hughes movies, like Sixteen Candles, so young girls had a means of understanding what they were going through, or Dazed and Confused, or Ferris Bueller's Day off. Those were the kinds of stories that we got to collectively experience as opposed to having to do these things alone individually and not really knowing what we should be looking for or not looking for, how we should be acting or not acting. So they provided a context for growing up and dealing with things that you don't understand because of course your youth, everybody remembers that, is just full of fireworks and that can be channeled into something that's fun and exciting and positive and useful or it can be really destructive. But in reality, the identity vacuum is the source of our problems here. And of course, I'm going to prove, because I love doing this, prove Godwin's law here by saying that in Germany, when they had that identity vacuum in the 1930s, you know, right after the First World War, they weren't sure how to define themselves because they were just being defined as the world's hooligans, the world's antagonist. <laughs> So they were punished harshly and had a lot of things taken away that they, they used to have. They weren't allowed to have prosperity or define themselves in such a way that was positive. So when they had somebody step in who was willing to do that for them, to define them in a positive way, then they took to it, you know, like they were thirsting and needed something <laughs> to use. And of course, that led to a massive overcorrection uh, and overdefining in extreme terms. And much of that is similar to what is happening now. Whether it's the religion of progressivism or just transgender ideology in general, there are a tremendous number of people right now trying to define themselves, you know, like the hippies in the 1960s, or people with face tattoos. They're, they're trying to find some way to define themselves. Usually, children and the pretend adults have some kind of emotional and intellectual support that helps them learn to be wise and develop character, but that's something that's missing currently because we don't have strong institutions like family. They're deemed not as important and contrary. A lot of transgender ideology specifically says that parents need to be deceived and need to be forced into falling in line, not, not be consulted even, when it comes to a lot of these ideas. And then, apart from that, religion religious institutions in general, the things, the churches that used to be a bulwark and a support structure for people have been falling by the wayside. So you don't have the same structures that you were able to use before that help you develop that character that you would otherwise develop. So all that said, of course, uh, there is some subset of people, historically it was primarily males, that have legitimate psychological structures that are likely grounded in biology that they didn't ask for and can't do anything about. 
So historically, they would simply be shunned by society and pushed out and treated poorly and would have to suffer as a result of something they couldn't control. And I'm specifically just talking about people who experience these kinds of trans psychological inclinations or just being a boy who has feminine tendencies or a girl who has masculine tendencies. Now, it's a disservice to the profession, the medical profession, the psychological profession, and to those people who have these inclinations to just let this kind of radical subjectivity determine treatment, determine the proper kind of treatment for this issue. Obviously, we need real medical professionals and researchers to determine what works best in these situations, not a cadre of untrained elitists who are driven by emotional outrage and the ability to abuse it for ideological purposes. And one of the big things is that activists should be a pejorative, <laughs> especially when it's related to scientific problems or anything that has to do with something more complex. They're not understandists, they, they just act. And it's much more likely to be merely about emotional self-definition than it is going to be about the truth, trying to find out what's true or trying to find out what works best. So the whole culture, the activist culture, the culture of activists on campuses, in classrooms, or just out there in the world who want to show up to protests or whatever, that should be a pejorative activity. But again, most of the time when you have this activist culture, when you have activists in general, it's about their own ornaments to their personality. It's not really about trying to figure out what's true. They've already decided an answer on something that is much too complex for them to truly understand, even if this is the only thing that they had studied for their entire life, even if they had every degree related to it that you can get, and they were prominent in their field, this is still something, if you talk to the actual experts about this, they would hedge all over the place. They would exhibit every amount of humility you could imagine about this particular topic and realize. And that's it brings me back to a quote that I think was from Thomas Sowell that said that people know enough about a subject to think that they're right, but not enough to know that they're wrong. That's the line that we have to cross because people love to just take a little bit of a particular discipline and they get to say, they get to pretend, they try to pretend anyway, that they have plenty of information to make broad, sweeping, gigantic claims about it. And that's what activists tend to do, is that they just take a little bit of information and say that, or know enough to think that I'm right, but not enough to know that I'm wrong. So what to do? What are the takeaways to keep in mind when encountering this kind of thing out there in the world? What should be clearly defined words don't mean anything in this trans moment, in this ideology. And that's something that should be pointed out because it's really easy to see and it's really easy for somebody to reflect upon when they are sitting by themselves thinking about this, is that words like man and woman, boy and girl, and gender fluid, these things don't actually have a specific meaning. So when you ask somebody who says, okay, how do you know that you're a woman, a lot of the times they'll say, at birth, I was assigned the gender of male. But then I started exhibiting these particular traits that I like dresses, I like to wear my hair long, I enjoyed playing with dolls and seeing people more than I liked playing with trucks or whatever. And it ends up being, when it comes to one side or the other, it ends up being they're just expressing that they wanted to exhibit a particular stereotype about a gender versus another stereotype about a gender. And if you ask them, okay, well, if somebody said that they were a woman but didn't want to wear dresses or wear their hair long, would you say that they're not a woman? They'd say, oh, no, of course not. They can do whatever they want and still be a woman. So what it comes to mean is that it doesn't mean anything. It literally just means the label woman just means I want to have the label woman. And if we point that out enough, if we point that out enough in enough situations and enough categories, then at some point, some part of their brain is going to kick in and say that, you know what, this actually doesn't mean anything. 
And there was that one that we encountered when we were reading the book Irreversible Damage, where there was somebody who felt trans, and around the age of 40, they decided that they wanted to present as a woman. They wanted to wear dresses and wear their hair long and change their name and all that sort of thing. And the people around them in their community, the people they worked with, their friends and family, all were supportive of this. They didn't see a big deal with it. It just made this person that they cared about a little happier, so they thought that it was fine. But the important thing was that this person specifically, they didn't try to say and demand that everybody change what they did or how they acted. They didn't get outraged or claim that they were being denied humanity when somebody called them otherwise. And they didn't say that the words themselves meant something else and they were absolutely sure about it. They just said that they felt better presenting themselves in this way and they were appreciative of the people around them who were being supportive of it. And that's the kind of thing, that's the kind of humility that should be exhibited. That's the kind of healthy personality, you know, whatever you want to think about, the inclination to present as female despite having particular chromosomal structure or whatever, in particular genitalia. This is kind of a healthy way to deal with an ambiguity that you can't really understand psychologically. And it's not something that is detrimental long term to society for you as one person to understand, you know, what the reality is, but just feel a little bit better and do something that makes you feel a little bit better. But so, like I said, one thing is to point out how it doesn't actually mean anything under this trans ideology to say woman or say man. And the whole thing about gender fluid is like, the only way that you're able to define yourself as gender fluid is to have a gender binary and define yourself against that. This is to say that I don't represent either one of those things. So you still have to do all these weird, strange tricks when it comes to gender essentialism to be able to say that you're not those things. But the truth is, of course, that there are emotional pillars of fitting in and of being special. Those are always the things that are in conflict when it comes to a person, is fitting in and also being special. And those things are at each other's throats all the time, and you're trying to work within those. But there are these two emotional pillars, among many others, that are holding up this edifice of a person's you know, self-esteem and personality. And if you can lift up, you can hold up this edifice using other pillars, then they won't need those particular ones. Or if you can hold up the pillars of fitting in and being special in other ways using other means, you know, like we have done historically for <laughs> thousands of years, then the people who are going through this won't need the pillars that are related to gender nonconformity and progressivism and those sorts of things to be able to do that. And it's so funny because you see it. I see it all the time. There's, who is it? Campus Reform, I think, is the channel on YouTube where they'll go and talk to students on college campuses across the country and they'll ask them about particular political issues. And you can tell the students will answer in a way that they think is supposed to be the moral right answer, you know, so they can avoid the social opprobrium that comes with making the wrong answer. But then after they talk it through, then there's this sense of relief in them when they hear something that makes sense and they can just agree with something that makes sense instead of having to spout the party line. So there is some optimism to be had here when it comes to the children on the way up. Obviously, there's always going to be the Hegelian dialectic where you have the out of the thesis is going to arise the antithesis, and out of that is going to arise a synthesis. And right now, we have a very strong thesis because we have all these politicians and corporations trying to take advantage of the ideas that are being espoused right now. 
This is a very dangerous merger between massive corporations and the government. And there's, it's not a coincidence that massive corporations are paying lip service to all of these causes like BLM, like transgender movements and, and the other leftist causes. It's no coincidence that suddenly they're being so socially active. They didn't just grow a, a conscience, you know, within the last four years. It's also not a coincidence that they decided not to criticize China so much anymore. But anyway, so beyond that stuff, beyond all those particulars, and read the article we talked about it before, The 30 Tyrants. I can't remember the writer of that, but read that. But you can listen to my episode on that, or you can go read that for yourself. And it's got a lot of good information about it, but there's so much more to dive into. And there's not enough time in the day, and not enough bandwidth in a single person's brain to wade through all this stuff. For our purposes here, though, this was When Harry Became Sally by Ryan T. Anderson, and we were just discussing some of the specific ideas. Trying to balance this with a legal practice and a bunch of other stuff is is really difficult. But I hope you enjoyed this one, and I hope we can uh, keep going in the future. All right, I'll see you.